Well, hey, I'm kind of glad there's a small crowd that makes it less intimidating. Believe it or not, you guys are intimidating in number. I don't know why that is, but, uh, but it is. So how many of you guys go on vacation and visit like another church? Hands, hands. Like, does that make you feel good about, wow, man, I'm glad I got First Baptist to go to all the time. <laughs> Right, So tonight is going to be kind of like that. You get a visiting pastor to let you know how well it is to have Matt all the time. But, but yeah, I'm not a pastor. But, but listen, this, this Jonah thing is something that I have, every time I read it, I'm like, wow, just lots of things make me stop and think, you know, what, what really happened here? So, um, you know, this will be interesting. And, and I, think, I think, because I think about this all the time, I think this is going to be great. And that's where the trouble starts. When you think you can do it yourself and you're going to bring the message, yeah, it's, it's going to be not near as great as you think. So uh, let's pray and hope that that doesn't happen. Seek the Lord and, and then we'll start and then hope that it's him. Lord, thanks so much for uh, letting us be together tonight. Uh, just appreciate the fact that you love us, you hear us, and uh, we want to bring glory to you. And we want tonight's message to speak to all of us. And uh, we're just grateful for you being in our midst. Jesus' name, amen. And speak to all of us. And that's, that's something that I got to tell you right off. I mean, this will sound like, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm yelling at you. Because I know what we're going to preach tonight, nobody needs this more than me. Nobody. And I'm dead serious about that. Okay, so Jonah. Is it just a fish story or did it really happen? Well, Jesus himself referred to it. So uh, I think it happened. Some of these uh, are going to be on the screen. Maybe all of them are going to be on the screen. If you want to turn your Bible to Jonah, put your finger there, fine. The rest of them will be on the screen anyway. So first reference, Matthew 12, 39 to 40. But he answered the sent of them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And also in Luke 11, 29, 30. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Okay, so Jesus referred to it, so you know, we've established it's happened. Now, some other background. What the Bible says about Old Testament prophets. So, Today, if Vinny stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, this and this and this and this, you know Vinny's full of hooey because we have the completed work of God, thus saith the Lord is in there. They didn't have that then. You know, they were still writing the Bible back in Old Testament times. So if you were an Old Testament prophet, uh, you better be sure the Lord spoke to you because if you, if you weren't sure and you said something that wasn't right, there were consequences. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 20 to 22, but the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, this is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. And guys, I'm sorry, I'm reading this to you. There's no way I could remember all this. I'm doing good to remember where I parked the truck. But if I stay to, the, to what I wrote, it ought to, be, ought to come out okay. So Jonah had to know that he knew that God was speaking to him. 
because there were consequences if he blew it. Okay, so uh, turn to Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read some here. Uh, Verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. So God tells Jonah, hey, you got to go. Go to Nineveh, to the people that are vicious and brutal to their enemies. Guess who their enemies were? It was Israel. It would be kind of like the Lord sending you to ISIS, or pick your most hated people group, the people that you just really kind of can't stand. Everybody has one of those, nobody likes to admit it. But, so that's, that's Jonah's deal. Uh, how many of you guys are old enough to remember what a flannel graph is, that thing that they did in like, you know, and they put the little man over here, and these guys were enemies, and they're both like waving at you from flannel graph. That's a nice thing <laughs> when you're in you know, third grade, and you think everybody's happy, and everybody, okay, but it, this wasn't like that. These were like enemies of, of Israel, and you know, that's the word of the Lord deals with the, the minute details. These guys were not friends. All right, verse three. Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So now is this is a good spot to figure out, so who, who was Jonah? What was he all about? Well, if you go back in the scripture and find out all the places Jonah's mentioned, uh, it shows you that Jonah was a prophet that advised Israel. And one of his major concerns was the politics, the, the nation of Israel. Go to 2 Kings 14, verse 25. Speaks of Jonah there. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath under the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gethabner, whatever that was. So, that was talking about uh, one of the Old Testament kings, but Jonah was God's prophet. And he announced where the borders of the kingdom were going to be. That's, that's what the man involved his life in. It's, it's all about Israel, the nation of Israel. So that's Jonah's heart. So you're blank there. And if I miss a blank, kind of somebody just say, hey, you missed a blank. That could happen. Uh, Jonah was a patriot. Hinkley, how are we doing? So far, so good's good. All right. So Jonah is God's prophet, but apparently hates the Ninevites. But the problem is, as a prophet, you say what the Lord says, not what you think. And you don't keep silent if you don't like the message, you say it anyway. Think of prophets as ambassadors. So, the next blank, Jonah was an, what what do you guess? Ambassador. And as such, he has to say, what the king said. Nothing more, nothing less. What the king said. Just like our ambassadors to foreign countries, they say what the president says. They may not like it, but they're going to say it anyway, and they're going to carry the message back. All right, so we're back to the, the text here. Chapter 1, verse 11. And Jonah's been in the ship for a while, and the, the sailors are talking to him. They said unto him, What should we do unto thee that the sea be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. 
Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. So that, I gotta get my water. So somebody took my water. Where was the water? It was right in front of the speaker. What, what are you guys doing? Like it's not hard enough and you're hiding my water from me. I mean, I put it there. I thought, should I put my name on it? No. Okay, so life is good again. I found my water. So the sailors are questioning Jonah and they're kind of freaked when they hear the story. And these are not guys that you know, go sail on a weekend. These are professional sailors and the storm had them freaked out. So, I mean, it was a storm. Have you ever seen some of the stuff on Facebook like you know, Navy ships riding in big waves and like the whole bow of the ship goes under 30 feet? Just like to scare me to death. I suppose the guys that are used to that doesn't bother them at all or not much. But to me, like, you know, get me a helicopter, get me out. But these guys are that kind of sailor. They're sailing all the time professionally. And uh, so they know something's up and they, they're questioning Jonah and Jonah is still being the prophet. He says, hey man, throw me out. I kind of wonder if you're the prophet, why don't you just jump out? But that's, you know, that's here and there. There's a lot of things that Jonah I look at and just kind of wonder, like, why would you not do it a different way? But um, then do it a different way. So anyway, they don't want to do that. They're trying. They're trying to be decent guys, do everything in their power to save the ship, and they're just not having any luck, no avail. They finally agree, and interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw it or not, they called on God and glorified him. These are not guys that would have been somebody who feared the God of the Israelis. But if you look in, uh, where was that at? Yeah, verse 14. Lay not on its innocent blood, O Lord. Thou hast done as it pleased thee. It's like, hey, you can do anything you want. We know that. So they throw him in, and uh, they're kind of like freaked out then about what happens next. Then the, mere, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So I messed up my verses, but as soon as they threw him in, it's calm. I don't know if it's immediately calm like mirror, but certainly the, the storm has stopped, and it stopped in such a way that seasoned sailors would have said, yeah, that was not the norm. Now, so do they see the fish eating? I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing they kind of don't. I'm guessing that he sank based on what the scripture says, but, um, you know, it's just kind of a, that's a freaky thing. Um, eat by a fish. Can't imagine. So the other blank, if you know the Lord tells you to go and you don't, you might get alternate transportation. <laughs> the moral of the story is you're still going to go. And, and I could take 20 minutes and tell you about my alternate transportation, but that's, that's for another time. If you really want to know that story, I'll tell you, but ask me later. So the fish finds Jonah and swallows him. And think about what's in Jonah's mind right then. I mean, you're Jonah, you know the Lord told you to go. You know that you didn't. You know that he was apparently wanting your attention enough that he made a storm and they threw you over because that's what you told him to do. So, you know, do I live? Do I die? Lord, what, you know, what's going to happen now? Um, the other thing would be he ends up in the, the stomach of a fish. Can you imagine that? Seriously, 
what would that smell like? You, I've really been to the lake of the ocean. You have that, there's that smell. I can't imagine being in a fish. It would just be a really uncomfortable place to be uh, it, for all kinds, of, all kinds of things. But okay, so we're going to go to chapter two now. I'm going to read one through nine. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. That's why I think he sank before the fish ate him. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed round about me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Think about what that's like. You're way under the water. You're tangled up in the weeds. I'm thinking the guy thought he was out of here. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou, sorry, yet hast thou brought brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So Jonah went through some, I mean, that's crazy. It really is crazy. Uh, You ever watch old submarine movies? Any of you? They're all the same theme. Somebody's gonna get them, so they go deeper than the submarine's supposed to go, and it creaks, and it leaks, and it, because the pressure is, really, really heavy the deeper you go. I kind of wondered, like, okay, so the whale dives. Does his stomach shrink? Does it start squeezing you? Does it? None of this can be good, no matter what. So you're in, the, you're in the stomach of the fish. Imagine coming to the conclusion that you messed up bad enough that you need to be thrown into an angry sea, a sea that even seasoned sailors were afraid of. You'll probably die. Then you hit the water. Then suddenly things are different. Do you faint? Do you stay awake? Do you, I mean, did you know that you were sliding through a whale's belly? Whales are big. I mean, they're like from here to the door long. How long's the trip down the whale throat? Can't, again, can't be any good. It's got to be the slimiest. So, okay. That is bad enough, but, you know, Jonah's calling it the belly of hell. Pretty much, pretty much gives himself up for dead. So it would have been a horrifying thing to get there. But think about after you've been there. I mean, imagine, well, okay, so who, I, don't, I don't know who it was. Kings Island or Cedar Point. Somebody did this thing where if you can stay in a coffin, what was it, 36 hours, you get free season tickets. And so they, they did, and some people made it. I didn't realize it was like a half thing, and they didn't have them closed over. But, but just thinking about being in a closed little box, like that, even for 25 minutes, that kind of weirds me out. And then, so to think about, you're in this, the stomach of this whale, guess what, your cell phone doesn't work, you can't see, you don't know what time it is. How long have I been here? Three months? Three minutes? Time would kind of stop. I mean, how much more can God have your attention than when you're in a position like that? So and this is all going somewhere. Keep this in the back of your mind. All right, so the blank would be, Do you need to be undone to hear the Lord? All right, we're going to skip to chapter 3 now. 
And again, I'm sorry I'm reading so much to you. It's just like you had to read a lot of the chapters for this to make sense. So Jonah's on the beach now. The whale spit him out. I bet he smelled bad. And the Lord tells him again, go tell him. Warn him. It's what I told you to do in the first place. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He wasn't real happy to be there still. I don't get that. I would think he'd be like on his game after the Lord shows him the things that he just did. But uh, I just don't think that he was all that excited about it. So he walks in about a day and he says, hey man, 40 days and you guys are going to get cooked. Bible doesn't say he had to argue or reason. He just said, you guys are doomed. And you got to remember, these were the enemies of Israel the people that would like capture you and bury you in the sand and then run the horses over you until you were dead. They were that kind of guys. And they hear this, this message from Jonah and immediately they repent. From the king on down to the nobles to the everybody. Now I don't know if everybody was all about it, but the king and the nobles said, hey, we're doing this. Uh, verse five. So the people of Nineveh believed God and procla- proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least. No kidding. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto the Lord. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce angle that we perish not? Sorry, anger, not angle. That we perish not. So, you know, here's this people group that you would think would never get it. They don't care about things of the Lord at all. Jonah walks in and says, hey man, 40 days and you're doomed. And that strikes true with them and they all repent and it's not something that you would have you would have thought would happen that's how the Lord did it the king himself covers himself in sackcloth and ashes king and the nobles apparently agreed and proclaim a serious fast no food no water for anything not for the people and not for the cattle I mean that's a serious fast when you won't let your cows drink you know and and that yeah that's a little funny but that's for real that's how serious they were This is all in the hope that God, which they apparently had figured out was the God, wouldn't burn them. So you're blank here. The word of the Lord leads to changed lives. Thanks, Ben, I need that. It's nice to know you guys are out there. (laughs) Okay, so now we're gonna go to chapter four. This is one of those places where I have to just kind of think like, What are you thinking, Jonah? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. I don't get it. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, 
and repentest thee of the evil. Now therefore, sorry, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life for me, for it is better for me to die than to live. What sense does that make? I can't imagine ever saying that to the God of the universe. I wouldn't even say it to one of you in case he heard me. Jonah says it. The Lord says, doest thou well to be angry? If God asked you a question like that, you're probably not in the right spot. All right, so the blank would be, would you ever give the Lord attitude? There's a lot of people you might give attitude to. He ain't the one, ever. Okay, so back to chapter four, verse seven to 11. Another thing that makes me kind of go, what did I just read? Chapter seven, I'm sorry, verse seven. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And again, God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. <laughs> Are you kidding? The whole story about the gourd, I didn't read all that. I'm assuming most of you are familiar, but you know, Jonah is kind of just sitting back, kind of watching, like, okay, Lord, I'm going to see if you're going to smoke him. And he watches, he watches, and the Lord causes this plant to grow up behind him, so he had some shade. He said it was a gourd. I don't know what grows overnight, but something does, and it was enough that he could have shade in it. And then the Lord sends this little worm and eats it. Suddenly he has no shade. Well, now he's mad again. So, Still, I, I don't get it, but all right, verse 10. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? The Lord's like, dude, you're sweating it. You're mad because the gourd died. And he really was mad because this plant died. Some of it might have been because he lost his comfort, and some might have been, I don't know why, but he's just mad that the Lord killed this plant. But he's, he's negating the fact that 120,000 people in this city have never heard the word of the Lord, and when he tells them, they all repent, and he's mad about that. I don't, I don't get Jonah, but that's okay. So your blank here would be, can you understand the Lord and still value the wrong thing? So out of all this, and again, man, I'm preaching to me. I have two main points. First point, the Lord has, the Lord has mercy for all. God has mercy for all, even those a little less desirable. Uh, we saw in Jonah Chapter one and two, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for their wickedness, wickedness has come up before me. Jonah does that, the Lord spares them. In Daniel, uh, we're, we talk, oh, okay, we're talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was an Old Testament king. He had a certain amount of majesty, and he thought he was the man. So we're going to read 30 through 37. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by my might of my power? for the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, 
to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from me. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee. Until thou know that the, the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it, giveth it to whoever he will. That same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men, and did eat grass as the oxen. And his belly was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. So basically, he thought he was all that, and the Lord says, you ain't all that. I'm going to show you. I'm going to put you out in the field for seven years. You can live like an animal. We'll see if that brings you back to your senses. So verse 34. At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? He's going to do whatever he wants to do. At the same time, my reason returned unto me and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me and my counselors and my lords sought unto me and I was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. So Nebuchadnezzar also got mercy of the Lord. Deserved or not, he got it. So now we're, we're going to go to the woman who was caught in adultery in John 8. Verse 10. When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. There was mercy for that woman. She was supposed to be killed, according to Old Testament law. The Lord had mercy for her. And then we're going to talk about uh, Cornelius, the Gentile dude, in the middle of Acts, when the Lord decided we're going to go to the Gentiles now and let them know that they can receive the good news as well. And he's talking with Peter here. And the voice spake unto him the second time, what God hath cleansed, I'm sorry, verse 15, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which, which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on, on that vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. So Cornelius wants to know what's going on and sends guys to find Peter. Peter has a vision from the Lord that says, hey, they're coming. You're good to talk to them. Don't call them uncommon or anything else. I've sanctified them just like anybody else. So in Acts 10.30, Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, who is surnamed Peter, he is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I send unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So, you know, mercy to the Gentiles. That was never supposed to happen, but... The way that it worked out, the Lord said, we're going to go to them now. We're going to give them a little parenthesis and we're going to work through the Gentiles. 
So basically, there's four opportunity, four different examples of people that the Lord had mercy on. And there are, I could count, examples of people the Lord had mercy on as well. You and me. You know your own story. You know what the Lord saved you from. There's mercy for everybody. The Lord Jesus Christ came to save all. That would mean the people you like and the people you don't. The people who are just like you and the people with whom you have nothing in common. All people have equal value in the eyes of the Lord. Black lives matter. Green lives matter. Blue lives matter. Everybody's life matters. And and believe me, not being political, but you're not going to find a person that the Lord didn't die for ever in your entire life. So point number two. Your blank is the Lord made you, give me a guess, what do you think it is? You're going to know. Ambassadors. You are ambassadors. You. What's funny, Chloe? (laughs) You are special. (laughs) You are a special ambassador. But everybody's an ambassador. That's kind of what he told us we're to do. You say what the king says, and you say it to whom the king tells you. Examples, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Ephesians 6.20. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Matthew 28.19. This is an important one. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. These are the last words that Jesus Christ said to people, physically. Okay, so that's all the scripture, but there's, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about just some things that have happened, recent events, right? So Kale was preaching in the big room a few weeks ago. How many of you guys were here for that? At the end, he went into the, the whole saying about preaching the gospel and if necessary, using words. I mean, that was the old saying. That's what us old people said. Like, yeah, preach the gospel. Live like you're a Christian so that people can understand, hey, there's something different. What Kale flipped it around to say was, yeah, do that, but use words. How do you communicate best? With words. So I had to give Kale a lot of credit for that. Now, don't discount the witness that your life will speak to people, but don't forget to use words. So now, audience participation. How are words used? There are two ways. Those are the two ways. There you go. So, words used in two ways. They are spoken, they are written, and you should use both. Speak with your mouth, but then confirm what you say in your witness with the written word of God, with the Bible. And speak those words to everybody, not to those just like you. Speak them to everybody. Give everybody the chance. Who knows who Michael Chow is? This is recent news. Nobody? You'll know. When I talk a little bit more, you'll know. This is a guy that went to that island off of India where this tribe is like a protect, protected tribe. And you can't go there. And the guys that got him there got arrested because you're not supposed to take anybody there. So... It's, I forget how many different things were said. One of the things that was on like Yahoo was, this was an American adventurer who just wanted to go somewhere nobody had ever been. Well, he was an American missionary. And some of the news stories picked that up. And so he goes and he, he wants to witness to this Indian tribe. And they're, man, they're fierce. You land on the island, you're not supposed to be there, they're going to kill you. 
he went, he witnessed to him, they shot him and killed him. Shot him with arrows. I mean, they're just kind of primitive. But what you never did hear, he'd been there before. He went before and they shot at him and it, it went through his Bible and didn't kill him. But he went back because what was important to him was, I'm going to share the gospel with, with people who are like me and not like me. And he thought enough about that. I mean, he's not just thinking he's risking his life. He's like laying it down. Like, hey, last time I went, they didn't, they didn't like me much then. I doubt it's going to be any different. But he goes back thinking that maybe I can bring the gospel to these guys. So, you know, I'm not saying you should do that or you should not. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just saying that that's a great example of witnessing to everybody. So I'm glad Connor's doing good. I'm glad you said that. Uh, I was hoping that he was. We've been praying for Connor hard. I would suspect that all of us are, are playing, praying really hard for Connor. And uh, no doubt, man, he's in a tough spot. If he dies, I mean, it's going to be sad. There's no doubt. I mean, nobody wants to see somebody young die. But let me tell you, Connor's better off than, than a guy that lives a good long life, is a good person, has everything he needs, dies and goes to hell because he didn't have Jesus Christ. That's the tragedy. I mean, it's sad. I, none of us want Connor to die, but yet we'll, we'll not witness to so-and-so because I don't want him to get mad, you know. Well, the tragedy is that maybe he, he lives in eternal damnation because we don't want to make him mad. All right, so... Listen, wrap it up. Jonah decided on his own who he would take the message of the Lord to and who he wouldn't. The Lord values everybody and he makes that abundantly clear to us. I mean, we could stand here all night with examples from the Bible of who the Lord values. They just go on and on and on. He also left us with the charge to tell them so. How will you respond to that challenge? All right, I'm gonna pray. Lord, thanks so much. Um, just grateful that you have given us a book that we can, we can see you in. We can see what you intend for our lives. Um, we're so fortunate to be called your children. We thank you for being with us and knowing who we are. Let's give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.